Coming up, you can lose games, you can win games, but we'll explain why you cannot give the absolute zero effort we saw from the Brooklyn Nets tonight against the Warriors. We dive in on the embarrassing loss coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there is Doug Norrie. I'm Adam Armbrecht. We thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. We are 100% free on all those great platforms. Let you know, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started today. And Doug, where we get started is with the thing that actually has been a theme. We almost got kind of blinded by it in these recent games, but the Brooklyn Nets are not always a maximum effort team, and that came to full fruition here in the 109-98 loss at home to the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, just a brutal loss in a in a game that was so 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 winnable. I, if you just if you watched it, if you even look at the box score, some of these crazy numbers we're gonna throw out you when you watch this game, you really would be marvelous to say like, what is going on here? I, there was because there's times where they were able to stay in the game, sort of against their best efforts to stay in the game, which was at time almost zero effort on the defensive end or on the glass at all, uh, and yet like it was kind of close within three minutes to go. But there's some crazy stuff here. And it was just a very, very frustrating watch all around, right? No Ben Simmons, so you know you're going to be down a little bit here. Some confusing decisions sort of with rotations. But I'll throw one at you just to start. If you knew this stat going into the game, I actually wonder how much I would have bet on this. Like, if I only knew that Royce O'Neal hit five three-pointers and that was more than the entire Warriors team combined. <laughs> right. If you knew just that going in, you said Royce O'Neal hit five. Mm-hmm. The all the Warriors total hit four. Yep. I might have bet a hundred thousand dollars. Like I'm like I'm like I'm trying to think of the number. It might I'd probably be more. Like it would be as much as I could probably reasonably muster, and not have to tell my wife ahead of time. <laughs> like, and like, and, and like what, I, or, and not have to get her permission, but just not have to tell her, you know, there's certain things we're going to have to co double co-sign for, but like other, other than that, I, like the number would be astronomical if you just knew this number. Yeah. And I don't know, it's not the only number that explains the game, but when you see this, you think, well, how can you have lost the game like this? Well, because you, because you lost in every other area, right. like you literally lost the game in every single other area. And, and it's just, and this is, this is what ends up happening when that is like, sort of, that's the case. And if you told, if I, you know, if you said five made for Royce and the Nets took 42 from beyond the arc, you go, well, baby, what are we talking about? 15, 16, 18, 20, 20 made. How, how high did we get? Well, they made 13 in total. So seven other made three pointers for the entirety of the rest of the Brooklyn Nets roster. Right. Mm-hmm. Which by the way, even that still would have put them in the win category over the Golden State Warriors. You, you mentioned that as being a, a kind of a confounding stat, especially against a team like Golden State. We know the shooters they have on that roster. We know Steph Curry's there. We know you've got Clay, obviously, as well. I, I, the more important thing here is, though that is an, a nice icebreaker, is the effort in this game was about as a There's more stats. Yeah. <laughs> we got more. I just wanted to start off with that one. Like, there's other things that are really disturbing. There's obviously other things that are really disturbing here. Um, 
I just feel like that's the most perplexing one. But sorry, go ahead. No, no, yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, in a game, in a game filled with disappointment, it's funny to come in and have a wow, and I, and even this actually surprises me. No, the effort inside of this game w- was terrible. Right? We talk about key stats inside of this one. You mentioned beating them out there in the three pointers, one v an entire team. But then you go and look at the rebounds inside of this game. When you lose sixty to thirty eight in the rebound category. That is something that just jumps out off the page to you. Even understanding the Brook- that the Brooklyn Nets are a team that was thin tonight. You did have Nicholas Claxton for most of the way. We'll talk about that too. But they've been a team that has been a sound rebounding unit in spite of their lack of size. And that to me is, is the effort kind of the effort stat you can focus in on because they've yeah. done that all throughout this year in spite of what their roster makeup is. So when you go and see that number, that just comes down to see ball, get ball on both ends of the floor, second chance opportunities, clean the glass defensively. There are things from rotation standpoints, but there's probably a dozen stats we can point to here that illustrate how disinterested this team seemed to be in a home game, in a home game. When you feel like you've won three out of your last four, like there's some momentum here ahead of the trade deadline. They came out as flat as humanly possible on the front end of a back-to-back, by the way. Yeah, so so the way you lose a game when you have one player you know, that hits more threes than the entire rest of the team, a team that has Steph Curry, by the way, is you get completely crushed on the boards to start. Like you yeah. said, 60 to 38, offensive rebounds, 16 to 11. And then what that turned into was a million or seemingly a million second chance points by the Warriors who had, uh, I just had it in front of me, um, oh, sorry. It, po- sorry, points in the paint. They had set. They had a ton of second chance points, but they also the Warriors. I can't even read this number. The Warriors had seventy two points. Seventy two points in the paint to the Nets thirty eight. Seventy two of their one hundred and nine points were basically at the rim. And if you were watching the game, some of those were of layup line variety. Mm-hmm. Right now, some were offensive rebounds that they just out because the Nets had an incredible, hardly hard time just being interested in boxing out in this game. I mean, just like multiple examples of just sort of no one boxing out, uh, leading to very, very easy offensive rebounds. And then other times, just no resistance at all at the basket. And if it's, you know, Warriors going to do this to you. They're going to try to back cut you. They're going to tri- play motion and they're going to try to get like guys moving downhill, if they, especially if they get you spread out. Even knowing that. 72 to 38, 72 of the Warriors, 109 points were basically the easiest baskets you can get. Yeah, the lane entry was, was absolutely, I mean, it was like unbelievable. Going on a runway, right? Well, but, but, so, what I'm saying is the only way to lose, but really the only way to lose a game yeah. where, when I, after presenting this first stat that I presented to you, is this next stat to be so utterly lopsided as to be almost comical. Because if you saw that game, if you saw this, like 72 points in the paint, I would have put the, the other the set of money that's left over on what literally whatever the spread was for the, for the warriors, but minus 20, I don't know, (laughs) like minus 20, minus 25, some crazy number because that other number illustrates the actual reality of the game, which was the nets could not stop anybody at the rim. They couldn't, they couldn't get a handle on getting any rebounds. They played ultra small. We'll talk about the, the lineups they played in this one. They went sort of like mind bogglingly small for long stretches. So you kind of just know what's going to happen. And like this is just going to end up being the result. Very, very frustrating game on on multiple levels. Zero resistance at the rim, which is 100% true. And just to cap off the confounding stats, the Brooklyn Nets had 12 blocks in this game. (laughs) Like So in in a game where the defense was atrocious, they also did this thing that, again, if you picked out a couple, that's maybe one other stat, right? If you said the Royce O'Neal, that's elite level. That's mortgage your entire house to try to put a bet in on that. But then you throw in this other element here, which obviously directly connected to Nicholas Claxton. We'll talk about 
the lineup and as you said some of those late game the rotations there were foul concerns throughout this one how did Jock Vaughn manage those decisions and then when we get down the stretch who wasn't on the floor who was or was not on the floor and one of them was Nicholas Claxton who got ejected we'll get into all of that as we continue today's Locked On Nets all right, before we get to that, I'll tell you about our friends over at FanDuel. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday coming up so soon. All about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, placing some super bets right now over on FanDuel. New customers, if you join today, you can get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, FanDuel is the best place to get started for the Super Bowl. So many props. I'm going to give you a little prop uh, you're going to want to put in right now we already gave you earlier in the week we gave you the brock purdy uh, rushing over uh that actually ticked up a little bit market movers sorry everybody right now gonna give you one not gonna be popular because people hate betting this stuff patrick holmes under 262.5 passing yards travis kelsey everyone's favorite america's darling uh under 71 and a half receiving yards and we're gonna pile on the parlay here isaiah pacheco 70 plus or over 70 yards on the alternate rushing line it's going more than three and a half to one right now. And it all correlates together. Go over to FanDuel.com. Right? <laughs> I'm laughing because it's such a good deal. FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Grab those $200 in bonus bets. If your bet of $5 wins, once again, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, so as we continue the Locked on Nets post-game podcast, 109.98, the Brooklyn Nets lose at home here. I do have a question I want to get to uh, regarding Ben Simmons, but we'll save that for the back end here, obviously, with a back-to-back for the Nets going right back to the court on Wednesday night. The other thing here, just before we talk about rotations and some of the decisions from Jock Vaughn here, you do also have to acknowledge the other way <laughs> that Royce O'Neal beats the Golden State Warriors by himself from beyond the arc, but you still lose the game, is when you have... Mikhail Bridges, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Cam Thomas go for a combined 12 of, oh, 48. 12 of 48 from the field for those guys. Mikhail Bridges won a seven from deep, oh, of six for Cam Thomas. Now, the nice thing, is, I'm not trying to give silver linings here, about Cam Thomas and his game is that he can still get to the line 11 times and end up with 18 points in spite of having a massive struggle shooting from the floor here. But this is the other way that you run into problems oh, yeah. is when nobody, and we've said this before, Cam Thomas and Mikhail Bridges starting to play well together on the court. But if one of those two guys isn't going to go off, you know for a fact. You actually would have thought if you saw the box score, you'd say dumpstered by 20-plus, 25-point loss here, right? So in some ways, it's actually alarming that the Nets were even in this game when you got to the fourth quarter in the last three, four minutes. It was hard to know which stats to point out first because, like, there were so, like you said at the you said it great at the beginning. Like, there's so many here that we actually kind of debated about which ones to start with because there's so many just complete and utter head scratchers. These guys couldn't hit a single thing. The only guy in the first half really that felt like he could hit anything was Cam Johnson. Uh, does end up not playing and not coming back in. I thought it was foul trouble, but the recent news just came out while we we're recording that he's questionable for uh for Tuesday's game with an adductor. So um there's there's a chance there's a good chance that he didn't come back in based on injury. Not like even even in the second half. He, he didn't he scored all of his all 13 of his points in the first half right. and never scored again. So it wasn't like he was lighting the world on fire in the second half in the second half either. But yeah, if you're going to get these kind of shooting nights from all three of these guys, maybe more specifically bridges and cam Thomas. Yeah. yeah. The nets are, the nets are going to have, a. it's going to be such an uphill struggle. They just don't have enough firepower really. And then Lonnie Walker gets hurt. So like, you don't mm-hmm. even have him to kind of like ignite anything off the bench. He goes, uh, he goes down with a hamstring issue and never comes back. So there was just other problems, but yeah, like the nets offense is built on, is built in such a way 
that they really can't. They, early in the season, they were able to say, sustain some of this because, like I said, Lonnie Walker was so good, and they had some other, you know, just kind of good off the bench shooting nights. You know, even Daron Sharp would get in there and kind of just raise the floor a little bit. But yeah, five for fifteen from Bridges, four for twenty from twenty one for Cam, which he just could never get it going. And with Cam, I, I, look, I just think this is going to be part of the thing. It's like he's been so good, and he has such ridiculous upside. And when he has it going, when he has it going. I think we probably have to live in a world that when he doesn't have it going, we're just going to get these kind of nights. I'm fine with it, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, I just think that this is just kind of what happens with guy like microwave scorers like this sometimes. But understanding when that does happen, we can probably write it in pen, in pen about what the final outcome is going to be, and that's just because that's just kind of the way the current nets are built. Of course. And by the way, so one of the other things here for me, uh, we can obviously get into Jock Vaughn and, and the late game sequence. And it, we've already seen this now. So we know the Nets are going to go small. Uh, I was I follow a guy over on Twitter. Everyone should give him a follow Doug Nori. And he had a tweet during this game that was basically there are there are small NBA lineups. There are oh small, really small NBA lineups. And then there's the small ball lineup that the Brooklyn Nets with went with now with with Cam Johnson not being able to come back in. That's one thing. But just even throughout the course of a game like this, the Nets came in with a very short bench already. Ben Simmons wasn't going to play. He is going to play tomorrow. That's just the, the coming back from the injury management. But to not include, I keep leaving Giles off this list because they never play him. But Trenton Watford like seems to sometimes get run, like at least in some level of consistency. This world where Jock Vaughn, whatever it is, the decision-making process, there is never a, a wiggle room to that. And you and I have discussed often about Hey, you're not going to sit down Cam Thomas, right? You're not going to sit down Mikhail Bridge. You're not going to sit down a lot of guys if they're having off shooting nights. You're going to keep riding with them. But mixing in a little bit more size, when you see, the, especially in the fourth quarter of this game, how easily Golden State is manipulating you defensively, creating these pockets around the rim. Watford is not the answer, but he, but but everybody else was certainly not the answer either, right? So I just, Jock Vaughn continues to be confusing in those type of moments about just not giving a guy a look, especially he's going to come in cold when Cam Johnson can't return because the injury. Okay, fine. But you have to go to something like something else has to be done here when you end up losing him and also Lonnie Walker in this game. No adjustment was made. They go ultra, ultra short and ultra, ultra small. Yeah, they played Royce O'Neal at the, at the five for like every stretch of the game that Nick Claxton wasn't on the court. Right. Which, yeah. you know, total 16 minutes. And, you know, if you want to look at how you're going to get out rebounded and really bad, I mean, that's one place to start is that, you know, your center is six, five, six, six, like whatever Royce is. And that lineup that you were referring to was uh, Cam Thomas, Lonnie Walker, Dennis Smith, Jr. Cam Johnson, Royce O'Neal. Like, what do you think is going to happen here? Uh, okay. Yeah. They can play five out. Awesome. They can also play like zero, re zero rebounding too. Zero in, and zero, five out, and zero, zero in, and you know, and zero out. Right, exactly, zero in, and yeah, like you know, Dennis Smith Jr. is a good like at the rim contester when the, he's like, I don't know, can play one on one defense with somebody like right. going to the rim. He can't. He's not gonna be your center, and Royce O'Neal is not a center, and so at the in these situations, I, I, yeah, I get it. Like you want to go three minutes like this or something because you know you're just gonna shoot all threes. But if you're going to run these lineups and still play zone, which is effectively what they did, I mean, at that point, just put a center in. Like, yeah. I, like put someone like Watford or put someone like Giles in the game. Because yeah. I, I just don't know. It's just not – it's not like a higher galaxy brain way to think, I don't think, right? It's like, okay, I, I think you can talk yourself into these, like, ultra small, we'll only shoot threes, we'll trade three for two. And I think there have been times where I've sort of been okay with this. But for, like, two minutes, three minutes, right. not 16 minutes – Right, not 16 minutes or whatever of this kind of basketball because you're going to lose every 50-50 ball on the boards. 
They're not, it's not even like their wings are big guys anyway, right? Like, so like sometimes if you want to look at, you know, teams with big wings where I'm um, like, like, you know, guys like Kawhi or PG, like, or it's like, okay, those guys Tatum, these guys are wings, but they're bigger. Even the Nets wings are smaller, slighter guys like Mikhail, yeah. like Cam Johnson, even like Royce isn't a huge dude in terms of just build. So they just really give away so, so much with these lineups. And I just feel like I'm not even like, you know, Mr. Let's play big centers, but at some point it just, it just is so confusing about what you think the outcome is going to be here, even in the best case scenario. And by the way, this is a game coming into where you knew, you know, you haven't had Dayron Sharp. You know, you don't have Dorian Finney Smith, right? Like there are versions, like even the Dorian Finney Smith at the five lineup, right? Like that's a small ball lineup for the Brooklyn Nets that can still function. You can, you can right now in your minds, picture Dorian Finney Smith being available in this game and needing to put somebody in there. And you could see how this plays out a little bit different because he is, a, he's one of their bigger yeah, players, sure. one of their more size. Right, he's more he's actually the guy that I'm talking about, like these big, like a big wing that can 100%. play up at the five and like, yeah, right. Like he, but they don't have them, so you have to do something right. else. And, and, and it, so to the point, you knew that going in, you didn't have them. So what was going to be the phase two of this plan potentially if this game started to go this way, right? If they start to get spacing, start attacking at the rim, you see the rebounding is going the wrong way. That's where it feels like it falls down from a coaching perspective of just not making the adjustment. In the first half of this game, you held the Golden State Warriors to a season. I mean, held, you know, we can kind of be determinant of ourselves whether or not balls didn't go down for them. 49 points, lowest first half total of them for the season. Gave up 66, outscored 66 to 49 in the second half to lose this one. Oftentimes, my, my final on this is when you see something, as you said before, two-minute spurts, but not for 16. When you see something that is slowly giving you a sample size that it's not working, you have you have to pull the trigger. You got to pull the e-brake and start going the other way. And the Nets just never seem to be willing to do that. Whatever it's going to look like, it, it still comes back to that our core guys, our veteran guys, right? We're going to force Royce to get embarrassed at the five for big stretches here because he's a veteran and we're dedicated to that and we don't trust Trendon Watford. We don't trust Giles, whoever is going to be coming off the bench, which is just a frustrating note for this team in, in, in what has been a slightly uptick run. That being the case, coming up here in a second, we have a couple of things to cover here. I want to highlight the Nicholas Claxton ejection. That's kind of an indicator about where his attitude can sometimes get over the course of these games the Ben Simmons decision to play in the front or back end of the back-to-back, -back, and also a little bit of, of a record look here for the Brooklyn Nets against winning and losing teams. We'll get into that in just one second. All right, before we get to that, let you know this next segment is brought to you by our sponsor, BetterHelp. Look, sometimes we just need the opportunity to get things off our chest. Sometimes those things are big things. Sometimes they're small things, but sometimes you just don't want the, those things to pile up and really, really get to you. It's important that you let it out. You got to let it out to someone who's just going to be unbiased about your life too. That's just going to shoot you straight, right? Make sure that they're listening to you, but also giving you the advice and just that ear that you sometimes need to get. Uh, just you want to say how you really feel about something. Maybe you're just thinking about something that you want to get, uh, just kind of like let someone else know about, have them be able to hear you, have them be able to have you be authentically upset, maybe a sad, excited, whatever it can go. This is where better help can step in. Okay, therapy can be different for everyone, right? Sometimes those problems are big. Sometimes they're small. But BetterHelp is the place to go to get this stuff off your chest. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be flexible, suited to your schedule. All you do is visit betterhelp.com slash locked on MBA to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on MBA. Once again, betterhelp.com slash locked on MBA.
All right, so as we tie a bow on the disappointing loss for the Brooklyn Nets here, we remind you to go over to wegotnets.com. Get your free ebook when you sign up with your email. That's five stories in five days, all about the history of the Brooklyn Nets all the way back to the Jersey days. And you'll also be alerted as we unroll a rollout, excuse me, some new features and a lot of fun stuff for the Brooklyn Nets faithful. Check it out over at wegotnets.com. So before we get to the the Nicholas Claxton ejection, there was one other play, because I feel like that play is kind of indicative of, of this game and the effort or lack thereof. There was also a sequence in the fourth quarter where Mikhail Bridges on the offensive end went into the paint effectively among three defenders. And you almost want to applaud that effort until he gets underneath the basket. He tried, he tried to make a layup from yeah. physically underneath the basket. There, there's no amount of English. There was no arc. There was no There was no angle that he was going to get this thing to go down. And it's not so much about Mikhail as about the team overall of, well, they're just out of ideas. Like, we're just we're, we're, we're done doing things on the offensive end. Mikhail Bridges is just going to try to run through Kaminga and Green and whoever else was on him there, throw this ball out there. And you saw dozens of these moments from Cam. Oh, Thomas. I was going to say, there was like, you could, you could, I could think of six uh, exactly. that were like this. Like, Dinwiddie had two of these, or I think he thought he was fouled. The ball yep. was effectively air balls. Cam had two himself. There was the Bridges one. I mean, they had. Junior had a couple as well. Oh, Smith Jr., he got the the offensive foul and the ball just like air balls a layup. Yep. Like they had six or seven of just some of the worst at the rim finishes you'll ever see. I mean, really ever see. That's not hyperbole. Like they were so bad. I think that four of them didn't even hit the rim. And yep. which is really tough when you're in that close, even with all the other stuff going on. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Yeah. There was, I mean, it was almost laughable. It was <laughs> really, well, here's the th- okay. So here's the other thing, too, because it was, and you want to go, all right, listen, you know what? These nights are going to happen, boys. Let's shake it off. Ben will be playing with us tomorrow. We've clearly seen the offense looks more efficient, more effective when he's on the floor, different dynamic. But the one thing that I, that it made me think about was, these recent these recent running games, we know that Philadelphia wasn't playing at full strength uh, when they took them on. They still got the win. That's all that matters. But you and I had talked about this going back to playing Houston, going back to playing Utah, right? Where it was, man, yeah, like they're good teams. Then you go, look, oh, well, they're under 500, and they're at the back yeah. end of the Western Conference. So you beat Houston, you beat Utah, you lose to Phoenix, you beat a depleted Philadelphia team, and then you lose to Golden State, another below 500 team. And it did just get me, it got me thinking about how, well, this is some nice vibes heading towards the deadline, but it is a kind of fool's gold here, right? Because what you're saying is, yeah, like we can run with and beat some bad teams. It hasn't shown that you're capable of beating good teams or that even with Ben Simmons, and we could see it going forward, that there's something else here that changes what your expected outcomes are. And when I went and pulled up just where, where the Nets have losing records so far this season, I'll rattle off 0-2 against the Celtics, 0-2 against the Knicks. They are now 0-2 against the Warriors, an under 500 team, 0-1 against the Kings, 0-2 against the Nuggets, against the Bucks, against the Cavs, against the Blazers, a bad team. Also 0-1 against the Mavs, the Pelicans, and the Timberwolves. They're lo- they have a ton of losses against the good teams, and they even have some losses against bad teams. So, you know, this zero-effort game, just made me take a big step back and go, you know what? The handful of wins here was lovely, but let's not lose the forest for the trees on where this roster currently is and the issues that they have, which were glaring in this game, rebounding, sometimes the shooting, the offensive end of the, of the floor and how they find their rhythm. Yeah, and it's looking like increasingly like, and we'll probably talk about this later. We definitely will talk about this later in the week. It's looking increasingly like this is just going to be the roster after the trade deadline. I mean, there's well, I gotta tell like, you, yeah. there's like there's a, there's a buildup here of, sort of vibes that there's really might maybe nothing will happen like that these that they'll kind of there might not be a market for Dinwiddie there might not be a market for O'Neal and they might just not get the asking price they want for DFS and like that's kind of it I we we Mm -hmm. could be looking at this team 
coming out of the trade deadline. I'm not, I mean, we'll get, we'll do obviously postmortems on all this once we know all the deals. And obviously if something happens, we'll just be on podcast right away about it. But, um, but I think people should probably buckle up for like, this is going to be the team. Um, I, I just, I, I would really, I would not be shocked if the, if that was the case. And I, and I guess at that point we can really kind of dive into it, but I think it's like good to lay the groundwork now for, I think it's gonna be a really quiet trade deadline, and I think across the league, like I think that a and lot then, of some of the biggest moves already got made, right? Like I mean, some yeah, like more, you know, Siakam, Siakam Rozier, like yeah. it's done. Like yeah. those moves are done. Not there's really not many teams that are selling. Most teams are just kind of gonna be what they are. It seems like so. Anyway, LeBron's um, gonna get traded, but other than that, you know, <laughs> that's wild. Anyway, let's just roll talk real quick. Claxton, like so, Claxton gets ejected. Obviously, very quick determination on that one. It was an obvious ejection. It was like clear. He just ripped down through Pods's like back and kind of ripped into the floor. Um, friend of the po- uh, the podcast, Lucas Kaplan, did post the 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 um feed leading into that or like the the gameplay leading into that, and you can see because it's like the, the Warriors are on their third rebounding attempt mm-hmm. on that possession with just no other net going for a rebound except for Claxton. And then finally pods gets it and he just kind of rips through his back. But that really culminated, culminated what I thought was sort of like the frustration from the whole team. Right. And like his kind of, I don't think he's a dirty player, right. No. At all. But I mean, that was a dirty play, but I don't think he is a dirty player. And he's an emotional guy. And he definitely like, you know, I think there's times he's kind of like almost like hunting text, but in this case, it kind of was like, I don't know. You kind of see it coming. It's an unfortunate thing to happen, but comes at the end of this, like, you know, what's going on here? Am I the only one yeah. trying to get a rebound here? Now this guy gets it and we're just going to lose. And he kind of just you know, took out his frustration in the moment. Yeah, for sure. I think you said it the right way. Dirty play. Don't think he's a dirty player. No, no, you no. know, Pods is an undersized guy. So when you grab him by the shoulder and just kind of whip him down, it's always going to be worse because he's smaller. But to your point, man, like, okay, it's a culmination of frustration and isolated from the play itself. I can understand being in Claxton's shoes, right? You're trying all night on both ends of the floor to get rebounds to help this team, and there's nobody else to look to, right? There's there's nobody else on this roster without Dayron being available, without Ben Simmons playing tonight to look to, and also <laughs> there's got you know, okay, just let let him get the layup, right? You the the, the frustration of it is, yep, he's getting another layup. Why? Because I just tried to rebound this ball 17 times and I couldn't get anybody else to help box out one of these other guys. Now I have a I have a guard coming after me and grabbing this extra board here. So hopefully nothing else beyond that. But it was it was interesting that we said this throughout the year. Claxton's playing with more emotion. We, we like that, yeah. right? He hangs on the rim a little bit longer. He stands up to guys a little bit longer after some big plays. But this was just felt like a little bit of the tipping point, right? Like, okay, everything up to but not including that play tonight is totally cool if you want to be an emotional guy and it helps get you a little bit charged up in these spots. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think I, I'm all for the emotion. I think actually yeah. sometimes there's not enough. Like they've kind of like right legislated a lot of emotion out of the game because yeah. you just get technicals for it. I kind of hate that. I like when guys celebrate. Look, if I could... I could dunk a basketball. I would talk about it and celebrate it literally from now to the rest of my life. Like, so mm-hmm. like, if you want to, if you want to celebrate a, a, a dunk, like, or whatever, especially over someone you should be, I think you should be allowed to, but in general, yeah. Like I, we don't, we've seen a lot of that from him. That a lot of stuff that's like kind of like pressed right up against like the edge of where he would get technicals, but I'm all right. for that. Like you want to play with emotion. You need to get yourself riled up. He's had, a, I think, a good defensive season for the most part, right? Just even with the scheme switches, it was an unfortunate moment. But he's probably also like, "Hey, I'm the only one doing anything here, down here. Right. Like, what's like, what, what, like, what, like, what on earth is going on?" 
That being the case, the only other thing I want to get out on here was did you, with the back to back and trying to manage Ben Simmons, you know, coming back into the lineup and you're not going to overtax him. Would you have looked at this game as opposed to the Dallas game tomorrow night as being, hey, like, let's let's use Ben Simmons against, again, an under 500 Warriors team. Maybe it's a more winnable of the two games. You know, do, do you think the Nets should have looked at that in any different way as opposed to we know Ben's going to Ben's going to play tomorrow and now with these other injuries it's going to be even more important but I do wonder about the Nets kind of looking at the schedule and saying like hey if we think there's a winnable game we got to circle it double underline it and find ways to get those W's when we can yeah I I don't it seems like this would have been the one to play because there was like three day break between Philly and the most, yeah, most restful. Oh, sorry. There's two days. There's two days here. Then there's a three day break. I don't know. Either way you're getting like two days and and what three days. I don't know. Um, I mean, I wish you'd play every game, but I'm done trying to guess like what the, what the injury stuff with him is like, what the plan is like, who knows? I mean, they're clearly not going to play him back to backs. The the minutes are going to be limited. I don't think it like really matters. Maybe you're like, Oh, we could use him more against Luca. Maybe we want to see him more against Kyrie. I'm not really sure. I, I could probably make a case either way um, for it. He did. He played so few minutes against uh, against Philly that I would have thought like this might have been the spot, and then play him because you just get one more game out of it. But I don't know. And results oriented, you win tomorrow against Dallas, and he plays, and then it, it you know okay fine right win the game that he plays in, and and then it feels fine. But that is obviously the more difficult of the two matchups for sure. It looks like they, they, uh, Dorian Finney Smith is going to be out tomorrow, too. So they're going to just going to be, yeah, they're still just going to be down some of these bodies. Okay. We're going to be coming at you live following uh, the Mavericks uh, Nets game with old friend Kyrie Irving coming back into the building. Dallas on a back to back here as well. So we'll see how that ends up Got going. Right where we want it. Yeah, they're coming off the win against Philly. Everyone beats Philly these days. Okay. Like I said before, like Adam said before, make sure you visit wegotnets.com. Grab that free ebook. Everyone likes something free. Got a lot of other stuff planned for We Got Nets. So go to wegotnets.com, put your email in. That's literally all you have to do. The only thing in your control is effort. That's all. And that's everything. And that is Marky Cuban. Oh, one of the all time great poets. We'll be back again Jeez. tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball. <laughs>